Come on. Thank you. Please, please be seated, be seated. I did not know that was happening, so thank you guys and thank all of you. Um, very grateful and uh, grateful to be here with you. Uh, I saw somebody right before this experience and they said, Judd, it's my first time back. And I said, wow, you are gonna love it. And uh, I know they are. It always feels so good to be able to gather together and worship together and experience God together. So thank you for being here. I wanna say a huge shout out to each of our Central Family locations. So grateful for all of you, love you guys. And if you're watching online, so thankful for you. Thanks for being with us. If you're joining us in our partnership with God Behind Bars and different prison facilities around the country, we love you. We're grateful to have you with us today. I don't know how you're holding up right now, but I know there are some parents that are still trying to navigate homeschool stuff in their life. And so I saw this, uh, this last week, Jimmy Kimmel on Twitter asked people to send in their homeschool fails. I thought some of this was uh, pretty funny. One person said this, on the second day of kindergarten, the teacher had to send out an email saying, parents and guardians, please stop arguing in the background. <laughs> it's very distracting, homeschool fail. Anybody they feel like they're up in your living room right now, you know, like, hey, back off a little bit. All right, check this out. Here's another one. Uh, this kid says, uh, or the kid, what does copious mean? Me. Use the context clues in the sentence to try and figure it out. Kid, three seconds later. Hey, Alexa, what does copious mean? <laughs> Homeschool fail. That's real right there. That's just a smart kid is all that is. That kid's going to rule the world. All right, next one. Look at this. Uh, I got a call from the vice principal telling me that my kid attending class from the hot tub is inappropriate and cannot happen again. Homeschool fail. How many of you are parenting that kid right now? Yeah, you're in it right now. Yeah, I was that kid, so kind of love it. But um, we all face different fails. There's homeschool fails, there's life fails, there's sports fails. I'm a Cowboys fan. I gotta tell you this last week, it was pretty brutal when our quarterback, Dak Prescott, like, you know, dislocated and fractured his ankle. Tragic, tragic. Uh, if you're a Miami Heat fan, then, uh, you know, you're going through your own championship fail uh, right now. We all face fails, personal fails, financial fails. But one of the toughest things that we can wrestle with in a moment of crisis in our life, when things are really hard and really difficult, is what we might call a faith fail, or when you feel like your faith is slipping or failing. Um, when you go through a tough time, a difficult season, a crisis, like the one we're in the middle of right now, uh, it can do all kinds of things to your emotions. It can do all kinds of things sort of to your feelings and particularly to how you perceive your faith. And I am confident right now that there are some people who are facing a crisis of faith in their life. And that crisis of faith may be coming from a couple different directions. On the one hand, maybe it's sort of a crisis of faith where you doubt yourself. You just feel like, I don't know, I'm not good enough. I don't know, maybe, I, maybe it's just something about me, but I don't feel like I get it. Other people seem to be getting their miracle. Come on, somebody, but I, I don't know where my miracle is. I'm not sure where God is. I don't sense him anymore. I, man, I used to feel God. I don't really feel him anymore. Then you start to think it's about me. It's, you start to doubt yourself. And that's something I've wrestled with a lot in my life and continue to wrestle with. And you can kind of enter into a crisis of faith where you're like, maybe it's just me. It's just not, not working for me. Or maybe it's more like God 
God related. You just start to wonder like, maybe he's not even there. If he's there, maybe he's not powerful enough to do anything in this situation. Maybe he doesn't care because, you know, I, I can't believe I'm in the situation. I'm. Some of you right now are, are in a situation financially or with unemployment or with your job or with your work. We are like, I never thought I would be in this situation. And, and we're navigating this global pandemic that just keeps going. Like, I never thought I would be here in this situation. It can lead you to a faith crisis. And you can start to feel like my faith isn't strong enough. It just isn't strong enough to see me through this season. And I want to encourage you today. I think sometimes we believe that doubt is the opposite of faith. And that if you have doubts about God or doubts about yourself, that that means you don't have faith. But I want to suggest to you today that faith and doubt are like two sides of the same coin. In fact, if you struggle with doubt, self-doubt or even doubt about God, if you struggle with it, that actually is an indicator of the faith in your life. Otherwise, we wouldn't call it faith. We would just call it certainty, <laughs> right? Like, hey, man, I'm just certain. I don't need faith. But because there's faith, there's doubt. And in the midst of that struggle, it's okay. Your doubts don't disqualify you. They actually define you as a person of faith. And so some people today may be struggling. You may be going through your own kind of uh, uh, wrestling with doubt. And if so, I'm going to bring some encouragement to you today. I'm going to bring some hope to you today. We're going to talk about how we get out of our mind the idea that our faith isn't strong enough. Because listen, your faith may fail, but your God never will. He's faithful even when our faith fails. And so I want to look with you today at um, a story in the New Testament that really gets to this whole tension between faith and doubt. And let me just set it up. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen again after three days. And he actually appears to his uh, disciples, the 12 apostles, this unique group, the inner circle, if you will, of Jesus. He makes his appearance to them. Uh, they experience him. It's an amazing thing. They're blown away, except one of them wasn't there. And we read about it in John's gospel, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. When we get to the red word, I'll just ask you to, to say it out loud here with me. But it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. They're like, Thomas, bro, he's alive. It's amazing, right? But he replied, I won't, what? believe. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the womb, in, wound in his side. Thomas is like, I, I, I don't believe. Not unless I see it, not unless I'm there. Now, this is why Thomas gets the nickname Doubting Thomas, right? But I think sometimes we're a little hard on Thomas here. We, you know, we call him Doubting Thomas, but we forget that just a few chapters before, uh, I think Thomas sort of misunderstood a situation where Jesus was talking about going and visiting Lazarus who, had, um, who was really sick and had died. And, and when he leaves, Thomas says this. He says, let's go with Jesus and die with him. So this is a guy who has faith. That's what I want you to see. He had enough faith to say, I'm willing to die with Jesus. I'm willing to follow Jesus to the end. I'm willing to go all the way. Yeah, he's having a moment right here, but it's not his only moment. Don't we all have our moments? 
Yeah, we all have our moments. <laughs> Sometimes that's mostly what we have, right? But they're not our only moments, you know? And, and so Thomas, yes, in this moment, he's doubting, he's struggling. He may be in his own faith crisis. Things haven't turned out like he thought they would. God hasn't done what he thought God would do. Come on, somebody. Jesus died. He was put into a grave. That was not what he expected. And so he's wrestling with discourage and disappointment. And here's the thing about doubt. I think a lot of people that wrestle with doubt, if we're honest, there's something underneath the doubt, especially intellectuals. Become a God, you know, and, and make all the intellectual arguments for or against God or whatever. But you know what's often underneath those intellectual arguments if you peel them back? It's hurt, it's discouragement, it's disappointment. And I think Thomas feels a little left out. Thomas is like, he wasn't there when Jesus showed up, right? He kind of missed the moment, and maybe he doesn't even know why, but I think there's some hurt here, there's some discouragement here, and in this moment, um, he lets his doubt kind of come forward. So we call him Doubting Thomas. What do we do when we're struggling with doubt? What do we do when we've got this thing in our mind that my faith just isn't strong enough? Well, the first principle from Thomas's faith journey is this, just to keep showing up. Just keep showing up, even when you're struggling, even when you aren't sure what's going on with your faith. Uh, it's easy to wanna give up, especially in romance. I saw a few of these on uh, social media. I thought they were pretty funny. Uh, one of them says, a pretty lady in a restaurant just asked me, are you single? I happily replied, yes. She took away the empty chair at my table. <laughs> this, this, some of you are like, this is my life, yes. Oh man, all right, here's one more. Uh, I sent my wife a text. This is, I've had this experience. Uh, her typing bubble popped up for 10 minutes and all she sent was K, I'm as good as dead. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's real, that's real. Sometimes we can get frustrated, sometimes we can get discouraged, and I think that's where Thomas is right now. He's frustrated, he's discouraged. Some of you are there right now in your life, but don't miss this. Look at this, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 26. It says this, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was what? With them. See that? He kept showing up, even though he doubted. He kept showing up. Even though he wasn't sure he believed Jesus rose from the dead, he kept gathering. He kept showing up. And because he kept showing up, he was with them. It says the doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Listen, this is a word for somebody today. You're hurting, you're struggling, maybe you're in your own faith crisis. One of the most powerful things that you can do in your life is keep showing up. Thomas kept showing up even though he may have wanted to give up. Thomas kept showing up even for eight days. He'd been, we gotta assume, discouraged. Eight days he had been frustrated. Eight days he had continued to sort of be in this tension with the other uh, apostles who were like, hey, I saw Jesus. And he's like, yeah, I'm not believing it till I still I'd see it with my own eyes. And he kept showing up, and he kept showing up, and he kept showing up. And eventually, because he put himself in a position to be blessed by God, he was blessed, and in this case, with an appearance from Jesus himself. Listen, you can drag your doubts to God, or you can allow those doubts to drag you away from God. 
right? You can drag those doubts to God or you can allow those doubts to drag you away from God. So take your doubts about who you are and your failures and your sin and your junk and drag them to God. Take your, your concerns, your cares. Maybe you're not feeling it anymore. Maybe you're not sure what's happened. It's okay. Bring that to God. Pray about it to God. Bring it to a spiritual friend. Bring it to your group. Start talking about it and journeying it out with others and with God. And you'll see God begin to show up in the middle of that. I mean, when it comes to faith, I think a lot of times we sort of see faith and doubt like this. We've got faith over here and we've got doubt over there. And we think, well, hey, as long as my faith is big, man, things are good. Things are awesome. You know, everything's awesome. God's moving. He's working. Things are great. And our faith is big. And then on the flip side, let's go to the next slide. If we see, you know, our doubt begin to grow and it feels like our faith is shrinking, then we think, man, I'm, I'm all alone. I'm lonely. I'm hurting. I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. And we sort of see these as two separate worlds. But again, let's go to the next slide. I want to suggest to you that this is faith and doubt and that it's all the same circle. And if faith represents the, the blue sky, if you will, then doubt may show up in clouds along the way and we've all got, but listen, I can have faith and I can have doubt and I can hold those two things in tension together as I walk with God. And truthfully, I've got faith and I've got doubt and I'm gonna have some faith and some things I'm gonna doubt and struggle with probably my whole life. This is more accurate as a picture of the human experience. These doubts don't disqualify you from your faith. They just come along with your faith. And you go through certain crises in your life, certain difficulties, and those doubts can feel more prominent, but your faith is still there. And God's still moving and working in your life. I wanna encourage you to trust the light you have until God gives you the light you seek, right? Trust the light that, he, that you have until God gives you the light that you see. Keep walking, keep showing up. Thomas kept showing up, and check this out. John chapter 20, beginning of verse 27, it says, then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, come on, y'all, check this out. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be what? Faithless. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. This is Jesus now. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. So doubting Thomas gets his moment, his moment of certainty, his moment of proof where Jesus in the, in the, right here says, go ahead, put your hand here. Jesus, think about this. Jesus doesn't judge Thomas. He restores him. He doesn't judge him, he restores him. He doesn't say, where were you? You know, I came before, you weren't here. Instead he says, here I am. Right? And by the way, I think it's powerful that Jesus offers up his own wounds to heal Thomas's wounds. You see that? You know, the Bible says, by his wounds, we are healed. So if anybody's feeling wounded today, know that you are loved by one who is wounded. You're healed by one who understands. I mean, think about it. Jesus wasn't even like physically in the room when Thomas said he wanted to put his finger in his wounds. But Jesus heard it. Jesus knew, right? He knew his issues. He knew his struggle. God knows how to give you what you need. Look, even though the door was locked, 
Jesus came to him. Even though Thomas was doubting, Jesus came to him. Even though he missed the miracle initially, Jesus came to him. Just like he came to you and just like he's come to me in different seasons in my life. Think about it, when you were lost, Jesus still came to you. When you felt left out, Jesus still came to you. When, when you were messed up in your mind, Jesus still came to you. When you were running for, with the wrong crowd, Jesus still came to you. When, when you made a bad decision, in fact, bad decision after bad decision, Jesus still came to you. Listen, when you cheated, Jesus still came to you. When you gave in to temptation, Jesus still came to you. He showed up in your life. He didn't abandon you. Look, when everyone let you down, Jesus still came to you. After you let everyone down, Jesus still came to you. When you had no idea how to get to God, come on somebody, Jesus still came to you. So, when you have your doubts, when you have your discouragements, when you have your hurts, just that's normal, it's okay, but keep showing up to the places God shows up. You know, to this day when people are getting baptized or they accept Christ into their life for the first time and I get to interact with them, often they'll ask me like, what, what should I do? <laughs> you know, what, 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 where, where do I go from here? And you know, I always say to them the same thing. I say, just keep showing up, just keep showing up. I can say a lot of things, but they won't remember that anyway. So I just say, hey, just keep showing up. You know, if people say, I'm going through a hard time, what should I do? Just keep showing up. I feel like my, my life is on hold. What should I do? Just keep showing up. I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Just keep showing up. I'm not feeling like God is moving in my life. Just keep showing up. People say, I messed up again. Well, look, just keep showing up. People say, I feel like giving up. Keep showing up until Jesus clears it up. Listen, drag your doubts to God so they don't drag you down. It's okay to doubt. We don't need to be afraid of those doubts. Because you know, your faith may fail, but your God never will. So keep showing up. Here's another thought, and that is to remember your reasons. Remember your reasons. I don't know if you've ever um, messed around with the Time Hop app at all, but the Time Hop app will like bring up things that you posted like a year ago on social media. And it's pretty amazing because you kind of get to look back. But it's very, it hasn't been so amazing for me in COVID, to be honest with you. It's kind of discouraging. Like recently, the Time Hop app was like, boom, a year ago. And I'm like, oh, concert with Emma, people, yay. It'd be like, boom, a year ago, packed churches, people worshiping, yay. You know, like, I mean, and so I'm kind of like wrestling with my, I'm kind of like, I'm gonna mute time hop for a while, we'll be back. But I recently had this moment where, you know, my time hop popped up and I saw this picture of Emma and this concert and I was like, oh, that's cool. And it just kind of took me now. Some of you are really like detailed with your photos and, and you keep them all organized and all of that. I, my photos are all just sort of random and they get kind of dumped into iPhoto or whatever. They're just sort of out there. And the, I'm like, when I retire someday, I'm going to go through all that junk. Anybody know what I'm saying? But I had like a, a, over an hour, I just started looking through those photos 
I started looking at faces and people and church gatherings and memories and experiences, and I'm getting sentimental in my old age, y'all. I start crop tearing up. I'm having a moment, you know. Like I'm just remembering, right? Life flies, you know. I mean, my son was born yesterday, and he just turned 17. What the what? And he can grow a beard. I can't even grow a beard. It's not right. It's amazing, right? It just flies. So I'm, I'm emotional. I'm having a moment. But it was powerful. Sometimes you got to go back and you got to remember what God has done in your life. You got to remember the journey you've been on. You got to remember where you've come from because it will strengthen you in a moment of faith crisis. Some of you are in a faith crisis right now. One of the most powerful things you can do is just remember your reasons. Remember what God has done in your life. When I was in graduate school, um, I, I went through a pretty significant faith crisis of my own. I was studying to be a pastor. I got really discouraged. I was reading a lot of material and I was interacting with a lot of different, very smart people who had very different views of God and it just all kind of brought me down. And it came to this head where I was sort of in this faith crisis and I was thinking like, I don't know, I don't know that I should go into ministry. I don't know if I should do this. Like, I'm not sure kind of where I'm at in all of this. And a couple things brought me out of that. One was I was at church and I heard a testimony of somebody else and what God had done in their life. And they came from addiction as, as a background and all of that, as, as do I. And it was so powerful to me to just remember again what God had already done in my life. And that was bigger than a book or an argument. That was what God had done in my life, even though I didn't deserve it, right? The other thing was when I was at church, um, I saw somebody get baptized and they had so much joy on their face and everybody was celebrating and cheering and there were tears and they were talking about how different their life was and I just remembered again like what God had done in my own life. But I want you to understand, those things hinged on the fact that I kept showing up even though I still had doubts. I kept putting myself in the faith community until God used that faith community to, to bring me back from my moment of crisis. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 29, says this. John says this. Then Jesus told him, Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Check this out. What? Blessed or blessed, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. He says, look, Thomas, you believe. You, you saw me. You felt my wound. You, 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 you put your hand right there. But blessed are those of us who believe even without seeing. Remember your reasons for belief. And these reasons are not just out of nowhere. We have personal reasons. We have reasons from history. We have eyewitness accounts. There are reasons for our faith. Our faith isn't just irrational. It isn't illogical, uh, but it's still faith. You can't put it in a scientific test tube and prove it. Like at the end of the day, we still have to believe. We have to have faith, right? But there are reasons for our faith. Let me just share with you a few reasons why I have faith. First of all, when it comes to Jesus' resurrection, like Thomas, I could say, you know, or, or like Jesus says to Thomas, I, I never touched Jesus side. You know, I'm, I came into this thing thousands of years later, right? This is an act of history. But here's what I do have. I have evidence from eyewitnesses. And um, what I mean by that is we have the accounts of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I think those accounts are very compelling when it comes to reasons 
for your faith and to give kind of evidence for your faith. For example, um, you know, when it looked, when it, you, basically any historian worth his salt would say, hey, look, Jesus lived, died, was crucified. I mean, you, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that just writes that off. There's probably more historical evidence than Jesus lived than just about anybody else on earth, okay? So, They'll go that far, but then what do you do with the resurrection? Well, some people say, well, you know, they stole the body. Maybe they just stole the body and that was the deal. But the challenge is like the body was guarded by Roman guards. That's what they did. They guarded bodies. And not only that, you had the early followers of Jesus who had these encounters with Jesus who were literally willing to die for their faith. I mean, many of those early uh, apostles of Jesus died for their faith. Church tradition says Peter was crucified just like Jesus was, but he refused to be crucified right side up like his Lord and Savior, and he was crucified upside down. Dang. Look, people will rarely die for something that they know is a lie, right? But these people were all willing to die for something they experienced. We say, well, maybe it was just a hallucination, right? Like, you know, they just thought Jesus rose from the dead. They had too many Wheaties that morning and it threw them off, but a hallucination. But the interesting thing is you go to the first Corinthians and Paul says there were 500 witnesses. Jesus appeared at one time to 500 uh, people. And, and is he writing this about 20 years later? And he actually says, um, you know, many of those, some of those eyewitnesses are still alive. He's like, fact check me. Go talk to the people that witnessed it. Go see those people yourself. You know, he's just sort of laying it out. But I think one of the most compelling things for the eyewitness account of Jesus' resurrection is the fact that women were the first people to show up at the tomb and women are the ones who are declaring the resurrection of Jesus. And culturally, listen, if you were gonna fabricate the gospels and make all of this up, I'm sorry, but you, in that culture, you would not have women showing up at the tomb first. They, they, they couldn't even give testimony in a court of law, right? Like, so it almost sort of undermines in some ways the account that women showed up first. Or I think it gives the account great legitimacy because you can't even make this stuff up, y'all. Women showed, so you have the evidence from the eyewitnesses. Not only that, uh, but secondly, you've also got evidence from history. You look at what, like, what happened? What happened for this anonymous carpenter in this nowhere part of the world to all of a sudden be literally, I mean, if not the most influential person in all of history, the top two or three, period, hands down. Like, what happened to these men who were hiding out in this room with the friends of Thomas and all of a sudden Jesus comes to them and now they're out declaring messages and preaching and, and 3,000 people are getting baptized and they're traveling all over the world. They're putting themselves at risk, their families at risk, their kids at risk, and they're taking the message of Jesus to the whole world. What happened back then, 2,000 years ago, that we would still sit here and talk about it today, that we would look down through our history and realize, 
Hospitals were started by people of faith. Universities were started by people of faith. Even science, didn't, it didn't arise in a non-Christian culture. It didn't arise in a non-faith culture because science itself presupposes a world that's predictable, a world that in many ways like has a creator that's organized it so we can understand it. All of that, science, history, um, you look at universities, hospitals, so much of that traces back to people of faith. It traces back to Jesus. You look down through the centuries and you're like, what happened? <laughs> and I don't think you can explain that with an empty tomb. So there's evidence from eyewitnesses. There's evidence from history for our faith. And I would say thirdly, there's just the evidence from experience, your personal experience and mine. I know for me, when I was 17 years old and four years in a drug addiction and I had nowhere to go and nowhere else to turn, all I can tell you is that God moved and worked in my life and God helped me get around people who helped me, the church community helped me. God saved my life and restored me and that's why I always say I'm not just a pastor of a church, right? I'm the product of the church. Um, God did that in my life. I look back at my experience. Every good thing that came in my life, I can trace back to the time when I originally surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and turned a corner there. That's my story. You have your story. But we all have our collective experience. And then we see it every day. We look around and people are coming to faith every day in our faith community. We see people's lives being transformed. So you, you look around and you say, I may have doubts. I have faith, but my faith isn't just kind of irrational and not based on anything. It's based on history. It's based on eyewitness accounts. It's based on my personal experience. I can't put it in a test tube and prove it. That's why it's called faith. But I still believe it and I can affirm it even when I'm struggling with doubt. And so sometimes we just gotta remember where Jesus met us to be reminded of how far he's brought us. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 31, John sort of sums it up with these words. He says, these are written so that you may, what? Continue, you see that? So that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John's saying, I wrote this. I captured this so that you may continue to believe. You know, this past week, I was really moved by a baptism of one of our central family members. Sweet little girl, has been wrestling with leukemia for a while now. And leukemia has stole more and more and more from her. But she said she wanted to get baptized and her family was here for the baptism. In the midst of the weekend experience at the end, I'll often ask people to raise their hands if they are placing their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And I was talking to her grandfather. And he said, you know, what's interesting is she's lost the ability to control any of her limbs except one hand. And when you ask people to raise their hand if they wanna pray and receive Christ, she raised her hand. And then she had the courage to allow people to carry her into the baptistry and to baptize her. Now I will tell you, I don't understand. I do not understand why kids 
get cancer. I don't understand why kids suffer at all, frankly. There's a lot I don't understand. I don't understand why people suffer. I don't understand why we go through all the different things that we go through as human beings. And so, yeah, there are moments where I have my doubts about different things, things I just don't understand. I was talking to the sweet little girl's grandfather. And you think in the midst of that kind of situation, you can get pushed one way or another when it comes to your faith. And he just looked at me and said what thousands of people have said to me over the years. He said, I don't know how anybody goes through what we've gone through without God and without the people of faith around them. Doesn't mean there won't be things you and I don't understand. Doesn't mean there won't be moments where we don't, I don't understand why somebody lost their job. I don't understand you know, why we're in the situation we're in globally. I don't understand a lot of things. And that's okay. I can still affirm my faith even though I don't have all the answers. It's okay to have doubts, but we can still proclaim with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Thomas was affirming his faith with that statement. Look, it's possible to have doubts and still affirm my faith. I can say I believe that, that God is good even when life is tough. I believe that God is in control even when the coronavirus hits hard. I believe that God is working in my life even when I'm still so far from perfect. I believe God still performs miracles, even though I may not have received my miracle. I believe there is more to this life, even though I can't prove that in a scientific test tube. Listen, I believe God is good, even though bad things still happen. I believe that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, not to condemn us for our sins, but to save us from our sins. I, can, I believe, even though it's hard, I believe that Jesus was more than a man, that he was God incarnate, sent to declare the arrival of God's kingdom and make a way for us to enter in. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to God except through him. I believe that Jesus gave his life on the cross to save us and three days later rose again so that he can one day raise us. I believe Jesus appeared to more than 500 of his followers as the Bible says and that he sent his spirit to build his church and that not even the gates of hell can stand against it. I believe that Jesus is alive, that he sits at the right hand of the Father, that he's been given all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. I believe that Jesus is moving and working in the world and he's moving and working in my life. I believe he hears me. I believe he forgives me. I believe he empowers me. I believe he guides me. And I believe he loves me. I believe Jesus was with me yesterday. He's with me today. He'll be with me tomorrow. And I believe that one day he will return in power. It's okay to have doubts but to still make the declaration of Thomas, my Lord and my God. See, one day I believe he's gonna dry every tear, heal every wrong, right, right every wrong, heal every wound, and that one day every knee will bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus is Lord. So if you're in a faith crisis, 
keep showing up. Just keep putting yourself out there and keep trusting. Affirm what you can affirm right now in your life because your doubts do not disqualify you. They simply define you as a person of faith. Drag your doubts to God so that those doubts don't drag you away. And even when you have no idea how to get to God, remember that Jesus can get to you. And then remember your reasons, the evidence of the eyewitnesses, the evidence of history, the evidence of your own personal experience, where God has brought you from. And let that encourage you and strengthen you and help put out of your mind the idea that your faith isn't strong enough. Look, it's not about you. It's not about your faith. It's about the one you put your faith in. And even if your faith feels like it's not strong enough, God is strong enough and he has not abandoned you or turned his back on you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've yet to cross the line of faith. And I'd love to just give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to ask God to move and work in your life and to take that step of faith. So would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me, either out loud or in your own heart. You say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I'm gonna ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me, just to say before God, to say to me, you're gonna follow him in your life. You're gonna trust him. Slip your hand in the air. God bless you guys. Thank you, thank you. Bless you, thank you. Just reach out to him today, thank you. God, we love you. I thank you for each person reaching out to you across our central family locations, at home, watching online, incarcerated right now. I thank you for all those who are reaching out to you and I pray you'll show up in their life in a huge, tangible way. Work, restore, heal, forgive. We commit them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today. Friends, if that's you, if you made a spiritual commitment, I'd love to introduce you to a resource that we've created that I think can be super helpful to you. Uh, it's simply called How to Follow Jesus. We'd love to give it to you electronically for free. Just let us know that you made a spiritual commitment. And the way to do that is just go to central.family and just click the link, I decided to follow Jesus. We'll get that resource to you. It'll help you over the next days and weeks kind of know what it looks like to follow Jesus and to grow in your faith. So make sure to let us know if you made that spiritual commitment. Well, let's put our hands together now as our location pastors come and close out our experience. Wow, what an incredible and powerful message from Pastor Judd. We are so thankful for him. That was a great way to wrap 
up our series out of my mind. In fact, if you'd love to catch up on that series or watch any of those experiences, you can watch them all on demand at our website or you can just visit central.family. But hey, if you raised your hand today, I wanna say congratulations. That's one of the best decisions you'll ever make. In fact, like Pastor Judd mentioned, we have a guide just for you. All you have to do is visit central.family, click the button that says, I I decided to follow Jesus, and then we'll have that guide for you digitally. Well, hey, if you haven't known, we are gathering live in person at all of our central locations. And next week at Central Henderson, we have Fall Fest happening. So if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us here. But if you're continuing to join us online, don't forget our experiences are on Saturday nights at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and 12 p.m. We can't wait to see you guys again next week. But as you go through this week, remember to hang on to what Romans 8 says. If God is for us, who can be against us? Keep showing up.